subject of this evening's talk is on the two levels of truth. In the course of receiving Dharma, various individuals who are at various stages, we might say, on this path. And you might compare it to a number of people who are crossing over a river and there are some who are ahead, in front, in that journey across the river. And there are others who are just entering the water. <coughs> and there are some who are close to the farther shore. And it might be described that this shore, the near shore which you step out from, is the shore of conventional life with its vast array of activity which is perpetuated by movements of mind, likes and dislikes, confusion, selfishness, giving and taking. And the person who begins to question and look at that way of life is a person who might be described as one who has entered the river <coughs> to find the farther shore. <coughs> and this means, therefore, that some are close to the farther shore and some have farther to go. And the Dharma, the teaching of nature, born of nature, given by nature, is for all beings. And in this talk this evening, I would like to speak about the two levels of truth and how from one level 
one begins to find the ultimate level of truth, the ultimate reality of all things. But this is what the quest, the search for truth, is concerned with. It is not concerned with being a happy, just a happy person. It does not promise an easy way of life which is just convenient to you. It does not even promise harmony. But it points the way, gives the direction towards that which is the ultimate truth of all things. When you stop on the one shore, the near shore, and you look at life, what is around you, and what is inner, inner you can't help but notice the frequency of movement of mind with its likes and its dislikes. And when it comes to believe, you come to think and feel that this observation of what you approve of, what you disapprove of, what you uphold and what you reject is true. You begin to think that the world around oppresses you, harms you, threatens, hurts you. Or you begin to feel and think and act in such a way that the world is one which is a field set aside for you for your own personal motivations and interests. And when you look, think, feel and act in that way, you live on one shore and one's life becomes a constant running up and down on one shore. The questioning of this, the questioning of the morality of it, the ethic, the authenticity of it, is the first step towards a genuine transformation which makes available the further shore. Even if, to some extent, there is a minimization of likes and dislikes, approvals and disapprovals, even if there is the minimization of selfishness, aggression and confusion, still, however, the mind still lives 
in this one level of truth called relativity. Even if your life is one which is harmonious with yourself and with what's around you, still the relative truth is all that consciousness knows. And when you start to examine relative truth, the relative truth of things for you seems and appears to be the real truth. <coughs> when you open your eyes, you can't help with the eyes but see separation. How? One thing is distinct from something else. And when you look at your mind, your states of mind, the activity of mind, again, one mind state feels and seems to be quite separate, distinct from another. And this is how the world to us appears to be the real truth of it and one comes to take it for granted. One comes to believe purely what the eyes tell you, what the mind states, what the thought creates. And as a result, the seeing clearly does not take place. character of the human being who is moving, so to speak, from one level of truth to the true nature, the ultimate true nature, is certainly going along a distinctive way in which there is a reduction a noticeable reduction within the mind of that person of greed, sensuality, aggression, delusion, and so forth. Because the mind which is fashioned and shaped by these states cannot see the world clearly, cannot see clearly through the mind which is beset with those type of states. So the path on the way of relative truth, of going to the further shore, is one of seeing through and letting go of those. When the mind is in those states, as you see and have noticed in different situations, your perception of what is taking place around you alters considerably. You regard people in a certain way, which they are not. You regard certain items and events in a certain way, 
which they are not. You attribute the states of mind to what is happening around you, which is not the cause. And so in the reduction of those type of mental states, a certain well-being comes to the individual and a certain balance of mind. This permits clearer seeing. However, for those beings who have come to sense and recognize non-egotistically the sense of well-being in their own life, the sense of calm, the sense of seeing things clearly without being trapped and ensnared in it, still have to discover what is the ultimate truth of things. In this mind of the person whose life is one of well-being, there is still very much the sense of, the notion of, I as an agent. In other words, the person, again, thinks, feels and acts that I am the initiator or the author of my actions. This is a deeply rooted idea which seems at first glance to be self-evident. And when you begin to look around you, you see others are engaged in apparently initiating all manner of action, and it would seem all human beings are so. And again, the mind draws the conclusion that this is the truth, this is the ultimate truth of things. And because something may be in common agreement, I started this action, I began this activity, and because the whole world says, yes, I do this and I do that, you come to think and live and believe this is how things are. It is as though when you open your eyes you claim you see the world as being relatively flat. But you know through scientific means in this case the world is not flat. One's normal perceptions in life through your eyes and through your ears cannot reveal truth. Just as seeing think makes you think the world is flat, on higher knowledge you know it is not so. One whose mind is still at peace with itself, in contentment, can begin to see and look and as the potential 
to see in a completely radically different way. If you look with your conventional eyes and with your conventional mind, you will conclude I am born, I persist in time, and at some date in the future I come to die. I observe this everywhere and I see it for myself. I recognize in my way of seeing relatively my life is one which has the de is defined by a beginning and by an end. And this beginning and end which I see brings my life and my perception of it to the state of seeing impermanence. I can live very busily and try to block out and deny that actuality. I can see all manner of things which are to be done, yet, however, I cannot avoid that fact in the relative world that this is the way things are. So a person who lives life and who has moved closer to that further shore is one who sees, not just intellectually, not just from an odd time when somebody passes away, but sees day in and day out the beginning and end of things, the start and the finish of things, the arising and the falling, the birth and the death. And in that sustained contemplation on this world of phenomena, the mind's thirst, the mind's blind pursuit of this, that and the other begins to drop away. Not because you've made a firm decision to get rid of something. Not because you've deemed that this is an unacceptable, whatever it may be that one is blindly pursuing. But you see a certain futility in accumulating and gathering within the brevity of a life experience. It is not that impermanence is sad, nor bad, nor unfortunate. It is the actuality of life experience. The very actuality of it means it's not something of our own projection not something which mentally we create. Learning to find what truth is, is learning to live with truth. Learning to live with truth at every level, including this level of relative truth. That all things 
come and pass away. And to see that very deeply, day in and day out, within oneself. Secondly, it is not only in the area of impermanence that a person whose life is one of well-being and of steadiness, that one comes to look and see things clearly, but the person also begins to see more and more clearly the impersonal area of what life is. That is not a blind dismissal in which one reduces something down to just energy or whatever, but seeing the impersonal within life is seeing how much activity of life, the full extent of the activity, has no personal author behind it. Thus, for example, when there is anger being expressed, there is anger being expressed. To pinpoint this anger on someone in an accusatory manner is to grasp hold of the concept of a person initiating this anger rather than just seeing anger as anger. You've all noticed again and again the impersonal expression of mind showing itself in a manifold number of varying mental states, physical life expressing itself in numerous ways. How much of that can you honestly say you are the personal author of? If you were the author, of your physical and mental states, self-created, you would certainly not consider bringing about in the mind the pain, the sorrow, the frustration, the bitterness, the resentment, the paranoia, the anxiety. So in coming to see things more clearly, attributing this action or activity in a personal way comes to be seen to be more and more utterly absurd. And merely 
the idea of it being self-created is born of the ignorance of mind through not seeing. When you can see anger as anger, without blame, when you can see kindness as kindness, when you can see coming and passing as coming and passing, without elation and without regret, your mind is coming ready to know the truth of things. It is not that impermanence or the impersonal mind, body and existence, environment and so forth is the ultimate truth of things. But it is merely the vehicle which a person uses and employs to move away from the shore of selfishness and confusion towards the other side to recognizing deeply impermanence and the impersonal within life. As a person, as a human being, again, stops to look and to see in spite of having discarded numerous conceptual views of existence <coughs> numerous philosophies numerous belief systems propagated and perpetuated and comes to see things clearly comes to see things in their in their actuality the mind itself because of its leaning towards a view of existence still however tends to draw up conclusions <coughs> One of these conclusions which is drawn up in the mind is one with regarding the continuity of existence. And a view tends to develop very easily of either oneself or of creation as having some kind of endless continuity. And the world and the way it shows itself with its marks and signs really appears, and only, but only appears to be like that. And you may begin to think and feel of yourself as a participant in this activity, and therefore moving, so to speak, from one life to another life, like a series of waves on an ocean, endlessly recycling. Or you may come to the conclusion, at the other end, as it were, of the spectrum of views, 
of a life of seeing, of negation. And these views, either of endless continuity or the promise of some eternal state after life, or the view of negation, seem to be very real. The way things are. Many people, of course, some of you too, because of the preoccupation with the trivial, perhaps have never even stopped to wonder and ask where you are and what you are and who you are within this field called life. And so the conclusion comes in this view of, this, of negation is one, before birth there was non-existence. Life is existence, meaning a multiplicity of existent things, including myself. And the end of life, there is non-existence. I either adopt this view, which others seem to share with me and perpetuate and, and believe in, or I adopt another view of endless continuity of one birth to the next. And I wonder if it's possible to see through that, to abandon the views linked up with continuity, ongoingness, non-existence and existence. And you just stop. and be totally aware. Because if you want to know what truth is, if you really want to find out, if you're truly sincere about it, because you see everything else is false and therefore a sham, that element of awareness of life, in life, is the key. And when you become aware of the false, the blind pursuit, the rejecting of this and that, the approvals and the disapprovals, and all that pettiness of the mind, when you see through that, the element of awareness becomes paramount in your life. then, a person moving closer, so to speak, using conventional language, to the further shore, is one who lives life with as much awareness, sensitive, alert awareness as possible. And the conclusion which is then come to or drawn is that my awareness is not strong enough. My awareness is not established. My awareness is not fixed. 
<clears throat> and what the person, human being, with all the qualities of sincerity and dedication, and who is looking into life very carefully, again misses, again fails to see that the movement of mind has taken a hold of something called awareness, has grasped a hold of something called awareness and made something of it. In that making of something of it, through the movement of mind, the awareness at times seems very impermanent, very much in movement, <coughs> coming or passing, or you form views about it's always there and always present, and so on and so forth. Instead of recognizing that awareness as such has no mark or sign of being strong nor weak. There's no form by which you can de determine that. But the movement of mind acts and in its action takes a hold of an idea which is called awareness. When you stop and you look and see, see into life, you see the various creations that the mind creates, the various activity which it gets involved in, and the various activities of the mind are such that it cannot help but particularize. And that activity of particularization of the mind gives you the view and the feeling and the idea that the world is nothing but particulars. And you t end up and you live in which you take a certain number of things out of the world, as it were, you grasp or seize onto those particulars, and, and they become particulars. And because you see that, apparently, all else do that, all others do that, no matter who they are, that again the mind forms the conclusion, this is the way things are. until there is awareness.
Therefore, in coming to the ultimate truth of things, the particularization of the mind, the specializations of the mind, are seen to be not the final ultimate truth of things. As long as there is, in some way or other, the holding on to, there is fear. There is the sense, the deeply rooted idea of I am living and I am going to die. As long as there is the holding on to, there is division, there is separation. There are manifold numbers of differences. And in the same way, you look with awareness and you see the action of a volcano, its movement and its eruption. And you see the action of a movement of mind. You do not create a great difference between the two. If you don't see, you make a great difference. Please try to see that. You see a volcanic action, explosion, an eruption. And you see that within its context. The sun, the earth, the trees, the flowers, the rocks, the lava or whatever. And you see the volcanic eruption within, in its context. You make no differences. And awareness, which you cannot take hold of, you cannot create, you cannot make, knows no differences. Awareness does not make anything. And therefore, that immeasurable spaciousness of awareness, in its deepest sense, is not caught in the tie, the apparent tie of non-existence and existence, nor coming nor going.
fundamental awareness. Fundamental awareness does not grasp, nor particularizes, does not make much of, has no mark nor sign of its own. Not having any mark nor sign of its own knows neither birth nor death. therein with the revelation of the other shore. May all beings Trust the river. May all beings see things clearly. May all beings know the true nature beyond measure.